These are some really great items, Sandra. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Sandra, explain something. You seem to be very health conscious, yet every day you nuke yourself in order to attain an unnatural tan. You're one of those people who thinks that tanning causes cancer, right? <laughs> oh, you mean one of those smart people? So, so, what does cause cancer, Sandra? Lotion. <laughs> uh-huh. Think about it. Everyone who tans uses lotion. You're serious. It could be true, Dante. Leave the poor goddess alone. <laughs> oh, Todd, come on. Give me a break. Lotion? There's nothing in this stuff that could... Ow! What? Ow! Ow! I'm melting! I'm melting! I'm melting! Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our new weekly <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we are. We are changing things up quite a bit on the film room. Um, thankfully, yeah. last week, uh, thanks to uh, an infusion of cash, uh, we are, in fact, going to be going weekly. We have two request casts coming. We also have a return to Seltzerberg coming, so <laughs> it's going to hurt for us, but it's going to be good for you. Oh, yeah. Boy, today we got a good topic. Uh, this is one that we could probably do six casts on and mm -hmm. never exhaust the well of topics. We are covering TV shows based on movies. And we're including animated stuff. We're not including everything animated because there's a lot. And we're not covering everything live action. We're trying to just get it down to things we remembered and liked. Or hated. Oh yeah, yeah. Or hated. Or at least remembered somewhat. Yeah, usually that's what we got. That's the, that's the topic of today. And let's begin by getting a big a big one off the table. I feel like the best place to start is to start by explaining why we're not going to be discussing the one that people think of when they think of this topic. There are two shows that people think of when they think of movies to TV. One of them is uh, going to come up. The other is not. And uh, the other is uh, Buffy. We are not discussing Buffy. Not on this episode. Not on this episode. We have too much to say. Uh, that's a show that I was uh, a huge fan of. That's a show that, you know, has become its own universe, and it's one that, it's too deserving of a full discussion, is what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's kind of an anomaly. It was an anomaly, and it's it's a great show, it's an important show. And so, our attitude on that show is, hold off, we'll get back to it, we're gonna get back to it maybe, I think, in February, and we will probably have a guest when we get to it, too, so. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's coming on hard and fast. Um, the other is uh, Mash. And I'm going to admit right now, I've never seen much of Mash. I've maybe yeah. seen an episode here and there. It's never registered with me. But I know, I know you have. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of MASH. Uh, I know you haven't seen the movie either. No, I've not. Okay, just a quick rundown on MASH. I have actually seen this movie... Uh, in a theater with Altman's widow and son. And yes, the son that wrote the theme song. Pretty damn, I got to shake their hands. It was pretty damn cool. Um, Anyway, so yeah, MASH started off as a book. And it was adapted to a movie by Robert Altman. And it was the film was mostly improvised. You know, if, you, if you've ever seen it, you know that it's kind of a haphazard thing. It doesn't really follow the book all that well. But... Anyway, yeah, it was a movie, and then it was adapted to a TV show, also from the book, 
so it's the show is very different from the movie in tone and in like it still has that you know rapid fire humor but you know the same it's not as cynical at least here it's one cast member gary burkoff who plays uh who plays radar and uh i'm so glad he carried over to the show but yeah the show ran nine seasons if you've never seen it and ever want to get around to watching it watch it on dvd because there you can watch it without the laugh track it is so much better without the laugh track but yeah it was it had a nine-year run and it was very popular longer than the war it covered by the way that's true the korean war was only what it was a few years but it wasn't that yeah but it was nine years yeah yeah anyway yeah even like it goes through a few cast changes and even those are even the replacements are memorable like it was a very it was yeah, a very good run altman hated it hmm. every time as someone would bring it up in an interview, he, like, if, like, you can watch on the MASH DVDs, you can watch him squirm when he has to talk about the show. It's like, oh, yeah, that show. Yeah. <laughs> which is a very key factor in what we're about to discuss, which is how little the creators of the movies usually had to do with the shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, that's kind of why. That's another reason why we're shunting Buffy off to its own cast because it's such a different case. And yeah, it's usually like some producers at the uh, at the parent company saying, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah, and that's that's how you wind up with what you get. Um, Mash is widely considered the gold standard, and I feel like that's us. That's our cue to now go straight off a cliff because I've got to say. When you brought up this topic, I knew that my first thought on this was going to be this. Most TV shows based on movies stink. <laughs> yeah. They, most tie-in products to movies stink, period. Frankly, um... See video games. See video games. See, I've, re I've read a lot of the books, uh, just growing up I collected them, and, uh... A lot of them stink. Every now and then you get a Star Wars expanded universe, but I've even had to kind of double back my thoughts on that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I remember owning a novelization of The Mask, and mm -hmm. it was verbatim in the movie, pl uh, plus a few changes, but it's like, okay, this adds nothing. Yeah, this adds nothing. Most novelizations do. That's why a novelization like the uh, Ellis Weiner ha Howard the Duck one stand out so much when they actually take the movie and do something interesting with it. I, I know that that novelization is almost impossible to get your hands on nowadays. If you find it and you can get your hands on it, read it. It is, it's amazing. It's actually really true to the comics and turns it into something special and unique. But but again, you know, most offshoots, they stink for the reasons that, have li that I listed. It's, they're done cheaply, they're done to cash in on the brand name, they don't really go in a different direction. They're really about milking the name. Yeah. You know, the one that I think stands out the most to me, and I think it's fitting as we're in the nostalgia period of 1995, is uh, Clueless, the TV show. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, did carry over a few cast members. Didn't Wallace Shawn carry over? He carried over. Um, a lot of the supporting cast actually carried over. Um, Donald Faison, um, Stacey Dash, um, 
and I think at least one or two others. But okay, I I, I mentioned uh, I gave Clueless a straight ten on my uh, column on it because I think it holds up wonderfully. I think it is a unique and potent uh, film still to this day. I think it's hilarious. Um, uh, the biggest problem that the TV show has is that if the movie was about 1995 and was completely comfortable being in that moment, mm-hmm. the TV show was a cartoon of 1996. And mm. it's awkward. It is an awkward TV show to watch. If you ever get the chance to see it, I, I, it, it, it is, it's, it's played way too high. It's played at way too high of a level. Uh, the actress that uh, replaced Alicia Silverstone is actually pretty good on it. I don't. The acting was never really my problem. It's that it's written and directed at a tonal level of just, it's loud, it's screechy, and of course the t- the movie was quite sexually explicit. I don't even know if they could get a PG thirteen today with that script. Because it's pretty damned raunchy when you think about it. Lots and lots of virginity jokes. Yeah. You can't do that on TGIF. No. And that really winds up hurting it. Um, it's really weird because, like, as far as the TV show goes, uh, that's cartoony because the whole thing is based off a Jane Austen novel. Yeah, it is. It is. And again, the the movie actually follows the novel pretty well it's an update it's a it's a tremendous update i i think again i i love the movie i think it's held up beautifully um the tv show is just it's 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 a miss i think for me that's kind of what i think of when i think of most movie to tv adaptations is you're taking Mm -hmm. the original and you're doing a bad off copy of it you know it's really a shame that they couldn't do more uh, I mentioned uh, Faison was on that. Um, he, of course, went on to Scrubs, where he was great. You know, so you've got an actual, real talented actor there, and you're not doing much with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss as to what happened here. Except, except as I said, I'm really not because fundamentally, it, as I said, they took something that was adult and raunchy, and you know, had an edge to it, had an energy, and made it so watered down and uh it's just it's it's not one that i look back on with any fondness watered down is a really good description of most of these mm-hmm. yeah because like okay dangerous minds got a tv show yeah you can't do an r-rated movie about inner city life and then do an hour-long drama on abc yeah that lasted a season most of these lasted a season mm-hmm. the client the john grisham movie which Okay, I'm just going to point out, Joel Schumacher had a couple of good movies, people. Uh, I think The Client is actually pretty good camp. You know, it's it's campy, as I said, but it's but I think that I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good Southern Gothic camp, and uh, Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones are great in it. To me, the sad part about that one not working is that uh, it had a good cast. Uh, Joe Beth Williams and uh, John Hurd replaced uh, Sarandon and uh, Jones, and they're good actors who did okay but it wasn't a very good show so i mean that's kind of the example of what you would see there is you know okay that's not a good example but but like that's what you would see is that one on a tv show it just became a generic law and order type show animal house got a tv show did it really yes most people forget this animal house got a tv show oh man Crazy, wild, and the rough and rude. 
And it, uh, I don't even think copies of it exist on the internet now. <laughs> I've heard it mentioned on a few other casts. I don't think anybody's been able to see it. I think it even had a couple of cast members. But here's the thing about Animal House. Mm -hmm. Remember how I said you couldn't do Clueless on TV? Imagine trying to do Animal House. That's a pretty damn R-rated movie. It's a very R-rated movie. Uh, I love Animal <laughs> House. I, 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 I really yeah, great. love Animal House. I... I, I think it's brilliant. I think it deserves every bit of its reputation. Um, really, that mm -hmm. and Blues Brothers deserved the uh, reputations they got. But that's what you got with these. We we don't remember them now, but, you know, let's see, Working Girl with Melanie Griffith got an adaptation. Okay, I don't even know that, that the original movie is that well-remembered. The TV show is only remembered because Griffith was replaced with... Uh, Sandra Bullock. Like, that's usually how, if anybody <laughs> remembers these movies to TV... That's usually what people remember are, hey, yeah, that actor who went on to become somebody notable. Um, Do you know that uh, Cruel Intentions almost got a TV series? Really? Oh, God. Yeah, let, 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 let's talk about that one because that's kind of an interesting case. The problem that they had was they stayed too close to the movie on the uh, pilot. <laughs> and the <laughs> um, and so, like I think the pilot and another episode were shot. And Fox looked at them and was like, no. No, this is too R-rated. We cannot air this. This is too raunchy, even for us. Yeah, even for Fox. They were like, no, we, we can't do it. Uh, I, I know that one of the jokes that apparently uh, caused them to cancel it before it got released was a bit about uh, the vibrations that are felt while riding a horse. Yeah, you can't really do that on TV. You can't do that. The reason that I bring that up in relationship to... Um, uh, replacement actors going on to be known is that uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar was replaced with Amy Adams for it. Hmm. And I think Adams probably spends every day grateful for the fact that that show did not get picked up because, oh, the difference in trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think the five Oscar nominations would have come with that. But yeah, so, I mean, you would see stuff like that. I mean, as I said, that was an example of when okay, they maybe stayed too close. And that one, probably the reason was because the original director of the movie was involved in the show. And, like, that's what you might get, is you might get the creator writing a script. Right. But that's all that you get, is they might write a script. Mm-hmm. So, that's, I feel like that's a good setup. So, I gotta ask you, what are some of the ones that you remember from your childhood? One I clearly remember, I only remember one scene from it, but one I clearly remember is the Back to the Future cartoon. That one was actually pretty good. That one was actually pretty good. I was thought. it? Yeah, I thought it was. Actually, that was really good. Uh, if you get uh, Bob Gale was involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whom brag? I've also met. Yeah. A few months ago, he signed my Blu-ray uh, Back to the Future. But yeah, yeah. All, all I remember about it was it takes place after the third movie. Mm -hmm. It has you know Marty Doc. I does no. I don't what? I, no, say it. Uh, Christopher Lloyd? Is he on it? He did wraparounds. He did live-action wraparounds for it, actually. Oh! Where he talked about science. Greetings! 
Dr. Emmett L. Brown here, creator of the Autojog Mechanical Running Shorts, the Deep Thought Mind Reading Helmet, and perhaps my most important invention, the Flux Capacitor. I did not remember that. Yeah, he did live-action wraparounds as Doc Brown. He didn't voice uh, the, the part on the animated series, but he did do wraparounds, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Again, again I think it's that's kind of part of why I think it's a little bit better than... Yeah, but yeah, it has Marty, Doc, Clara, and... Uh, Clara was a Mary Steen version, by the way, so... Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. And uh, and their kids, uh, Jules and Vern. That's one I actually really did like. Um it kept the spirit. Uh, oh, and Thomas Wilson came back, too. Oh, good. Nice. And he got, he got to have fun because he got to play various versions of uh, Biff throughout the centuries. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, the animated series is actually well worth seeking out. Uh, I also want to throw in a plug for uh, the video game, the Telltale video game, uh, where they go back, they go to the 30s. It's wonderful. Yeah. I've played a little bit of the video game. It's It's good. Yeah takes place again after everything after the third movie and again gail gail was also involved in that yeah he was and it also has most of the cast michael j fox does not voice marty but he does make a cameo yeah as a mcfly but yeah anyway yeah back to the future and um that's like the earliest one i remember and i remember but have not seen the bill and ted animated series I had been selected for a most important journey. I was to help fulfill the destiny of the two great ones, Bill and Ted. Wild Stallions rule! Whenever time stands still and trouble moves too fast To save the future, we must learn about the past Oh, um, that one, okay, we talked about the original voices. Oh, really? For at least the first couple of episodes, the cast is back. <laughs> Amazing. And the anim- and the, and the animated, that's another one where the animated series is actually pretty good. Most of these, by the way, that we're going to be discussing, we got to tell people, are the animated ones. Um, yes. The live action ones tended to come and go pretty fast. Um, but... But yeah, the uh, the Bill and Ted animated one. There was also a live action one that I never saw, but the animated Bill and Ted was pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's George Carlin even. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. All I remember there was a subtle reference to it in the show Tasmania. The teenage Taz uh, girl has a has a couple of Bill and Ted figures uh, on her shelf. It's like, hey, I know that reference. Yes, I can confirm that all three uh, came in to do it. Yeah, all three voices came in to do it, which that's quite excellent. And that was the int- and the whole goal was they wanted it to feel true to the movie. So, you know, they shelled out a little bit extra to to get all three back. And uh, neat. It really does lend credibility because do you want to hear a bad Keanu Reeves impression or do you want to hear the real deal? Yes. Okay. I. I lied. I do remember quite a bit about the TV show. It's everything I know about how the Bill and Ted universe works before you know. Before I saw the movie, I knew from the show. I will say that. Uh, let me actually correct that. For the second season, they had uh, the voices of the actors on the live action series do it. Do the voices. Mm, uh, so ooh. basically, if I ever seek this out uh, to rewatch it, I'm going to rewatch the first thirteen episodes and then not care. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, plan. the first season was really good, though. Cool. Yeah, so so there's one to, there's there's one to speak highly of. Uh, another one that looms large, and again, for the longest time, I only knew the property from the cartoon was Beetlejuice. Okay, we have to stop and acknowledge that this was a really, when you think about it, kind of twisted adaptation. First of all, it was a very good show. I, I actually, I'm, I, I actually really quite liked it. But when you consider what the plot of the movie was versus what the animated series was about, oh, it's very different. Very different. Yeah, I mean, it's Beetlejuice was the bad guy in the movie, but the TV series, taken as its own thing, was awesome. Yeah, it was excellent. Uh, really cool animation, cool character designs. Yeah, uh, uh, Beetlejuice and Julia kicking it through the netherworld. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's one that I liked quite a bit, and that's one that has a lot of fandom all its own. Yeah. I, I, I think it's one of the better ones. Um, as I said, there's a very Tim Burton feel to it. Uh, you can tell the people that were doing it, even though they had obviously the restrictions of, hey, we kind of have to keep the pedophilic plot out. You can yeah. tell that they really did love the movie and really did understand it because that comes through. Yeah. It's it's good. I that's that's one that I quite like. Yeah. I will say yeah, I did see Beetlejuice as a child. Most did. It's a good it's a good intro horror movie. Um it is, yes. I remember it wasn't until recently that I actually told uh one of my friends we were talking about and, he, and they were like and I made a comment about Michael Keaton being in it and they were like, "Wait, Michael Keaton was in that?" <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Fun little fact. Um, for both this and Batman, uh, Tim Burton had to hardcore convince Michael Keaton that he was right for the role. Yeah. And uh, he was right. It's a testament to how diverse of an actor Keaton is that they were right. That Burton was right both times. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? We, we mentioned Batman. Let's kind of. Okay, Batman the Animated Series existed, it wouldn't have existed without the movies in the form that it existed. Batman the Animated Series existed as it existed because it was a tie-in to Batman Returns. Yeah. The, the only thing it really takes from the movies is the theme, the Batman design, the Batmobile design, and um, the Batman logo design. That's I think, pretty much it. I think, I think Gotham City reflects the Burton designs heavily. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, th- I, th- I think it reflects the movie. But otherwise, they stayed completely true. They, they Not completely true to the comics. They stayed truer to the comics. And while at the same time going off and doing their own thing. Yeah. It was grittier than the movies. As bizarre as that is to say, it really was. It, yeah. It, it, felt much, it felt much more in a world where the gangsters felt more like real gangsters. Um, 
Yeah, instead of cartoons of Look, gangsters. the DC Animated Universe is another one that I really think we should just kind of hold off any discussion on it until its own cast. But this was this was the spark for that, though. I'm just going to say right now, I think Batman the Animated Series was the greatest uh, animated series that uh, aired during my generation, period. Uh, I think it is probably the definitive treatment of Batman in terms of getting it the most accurate to the comics. Uh, Paul Dini later went on to write some uh, for the comics. He went on to write a couple of runs. And I'm sure it comes as no shock to say this. They're absolutely... If he wrote it, you need to go pick it up right now. I'm just, I do have to note one fun fact, though, about it. And I think this is kind of cool, and it does tie into the theme, I stress. Fox animation executives were really concerned that all of the Joker's henchmen were men. So they came to them and okay. they said... It makes him look gay. So uh, you need to put a woman in there. So they ordered them to put a female henchwoman in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they made her a woman who was in love with the Joker, even though he couldn't give two shits about her. Yeah. And because of this demand uh, out of gay panic, I was just at a comic show this weekend and let me tell you, that was a successful decision. <laughs> uh, create, yeah. Creating Harley Quinn might have been the greatest thing the animated series did, without a question. Yeah. I know that right now the character is extremely popular, and so I should do the hipster thing. I am not going to do the hipster thing. I am a hardcore Harley Quinn fan. I love the character. Uh, I've read, I've read every trade of the current run. I have every issue of the uh, previous run. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Fox. We all benefited from your decision. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just that's gonna be my thoughts on that. But you know, any others? Because I have a couple that I do want to bring up. Before we leave Batman, I do have to note that um, one of my college instructors, uh, Mitch Bryan. Uh, had a heavy hand in uh, helping start that. He wrote the first episode. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think he created the other uh, original character that the um, show had. I forgot her name. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, there's one. There are two that carry over their exclusive creations of the show, and that's Harley and Renee Montoya. Yeah, that's her. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great character. Great, great, great character. Um, yeah, and that was. Uh, based on a script that he wrote but but yeah so i mean that's kind of my thoughts on that um briefly touch on the um on the uh two jim carrey properties yeah um, i was gonna hit on that one so let's definitely hit on those uh there is an ace ventura cartoon and by the same company there was a mask cartoon Smile, I'm a living lesson in flair and style. You just can't help but stare at my supper There was also a Dumb and Dumber cartoon by different people. I just remember that they were the same company because there was a crossover episode. There was. Here's what I remember about those. Uh, I remember the mask one being really, really good, actually. Yeah, it was. Maybe even better than the movie at times. It was fun. It, it kind of expanded a bit on... Uh... I think it kind of expanded on the mythology. It a did. Little bit. They expanded on the mythology. They gave him some good villains. Um, Rob Paulson did the voice for that one. Yes, he did. 
And that was uh, that was a good call because if you're going to re- replace Carrie, you need somebody who's every bit as great of a uh, comedic force. And Paulson absolutely was. Yeah, I I the animated that's a that's a really good one. That's one that's actually held up to the point that uh, Dark Horse actually released a collection of the comics based on the uh, nice. on the cartoon on the cartoon that I have. I have a, a, the uh, Adventures of the Mask Omnibus. Um, I, I dug that one. Um, yeah, that that was good. The Ace Ventura one wasn't very good, but I don't. But to be honest, the given how poorly the Ace Ventura movies have aged, yeah, I mean they they've aged really badly. Yeah. Also, talk about basing something on a property that's uh, not really for kids. Yeah. Like, okay, the mask. I understand. I think the mask was a pretty decent fit. Um, maybe the movie might have been a bit adult, but it didn't take much editing for TV, and didn't change much. Um, you can still buy. Um, like I think the DVDs that are available now have the quote family friendly version. Yeah, and it doesn't change the movie that much. It doesn't. It doesn't destroy it. I. You know, again, I I still think I I say that I think the TV show has aged a bit better. I still think the movie's aged pretty damn decently at least i there are some things about it that i think are are slow i think when he's not in the mask it's not quite as effective but i think it's but i overall i think it's aged better than some movies from 94 oh yeah oh definitely on that um but yeah ace ventura on the other hand let's see i'm just gonna say right now we are going to hit on when we hit on ace ventura 2 in november for uh nostalgia um, I am going to yeah. take a moment to absolutely rip and tear the first Ace Ventura to shreds for the uh, trans panic that it included, which yeah. I hate. I hate. That was fucking awful. That was disgusting, and uh, everybody involved should be ashamed of themselves for that uh, sequence, which mm-hmm. I've heard some say was ostensibly a reference to the crying game. I don't, A, I don't believe <sighs> that. Uh, well, actually, it was because they included the song right behind it. Come to think about it, you know what? Still. Just don't, just you. And by the way, the uh, crying game—I actually don't have the same issues with. Uh, I actually think yeah. the movie's more. First of all, you find out the uh, revelation about thirty minute, thirty forty minutes into it. Um, no later than yeah. the halfway mark. Secondly, I think it's more interesting. Um, that way, I mean, that movie probably still has all kinds of issues. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But Ace Ventura is just, it's a disgusting, sex-filled, um, vile motion picture. And, oh, do I not. I don't have the same fandom as an adult. Do I make myself clear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only other one on my list that's from, like, early childhood is Real Ghostbusters. <laughs> that was one that of course we, we have to hit on is it even possible to discuss uh, movies to TV shows without stopping to discuss real Ghostbusters at some length oh yeah I mean it was it was fantastic um, that's talk about a property that can be expanded to a TV show really well see that's the thing so many of these are movies that were one shot deals mm-hmm. they're movies that you couldn't do much with you couldn't 
like I'm noticing that the ones that we feel that we respond the strongest to are the ones where you could do multiple scenarios. Mm-hmm. The mask is a yeah. superhero story. The real Ghostbusters. Um, first of all, are you familiar with why they had to call it the real Ghostbusters and not just Ghostbusters? I've heard the story a lot, but I do believe there was a a fifties uh, TV show called Ghostbusters. Yes. And they decided to do an animated version to, to cash in on it. Of that. Oh, God. Just, yeah, that was that was dirty. That was a dirty move that they did. Um, I remember both of them, and I definitely preferred the real Ghostbusters. That's why they called it that, was to emphasize to people, this is what you really think of. Yeah, the the real Ghostbusters was awesome. A lot of why I think it was so great was because of the writing staff that they had on it. They really had an adult sci-fi show level writing staff on it. Nice. Uh, One of the key writers was the great J. Michael Straczynski, who wrote some of the best comic books of the 2000s. He also, technically speaking, scripted my least favorite story of all time, just to be clear, but even he's admitted he has issues with it, so... Yeah, Straczynski's awesome. He wrote a number of the episodes. They had a lot of real adult sci-fi writers. Like, a lot of writers that were working for the Twilight Zone revival at the time also worked uh, on real Ghostbusters. So it was it was extremely high-level talent, and the voice cast was pretty good. That's that's why I need to revisit. Well, they, they got into some really... Like, they, they, they dealt with Lovecraft at one point. Oh my god, nice. Yeah, they did. They, I believe the name of the episode was The Collect Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. They went into some weird... And they weren't afraid to get scary on it. It's not an ill-received uh, property. Um, it's one that's held up really well. Uh, right now, IDW is currently doing a series where the movie continuity Ghostbusters meet the quote-unquote real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw that one on a shelf, actually. And the reasoning behind this was, what I understand is that comic book, was they were going to run with that concept for a miniseries if they couldn't get the rights to do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover, which they did. By the way, I've read the Ninja Turtles Ghostbusters crossover. It is as awesome as it sounds. <laughs> nice. Uh, the trade is out. If you can get your hands on it, I highly recommend it. Um, IDW... It, look, if if it's a licensed property published by IDW, I recommend you read it, even if I haven't read it's it. It's gonna kill. Because yes. they are that reliable. They are that trustworthy. So, yeah. Yeah. They do the My Little Pony comic, and boy, howdy, do uh, is it great. It's great. A lot of people prefer the comic over the show at this mm-hmm. point. We could do an entire cast on licensed comics. We won't, because they, because it's they don't work so hot. I don't know, though. We might. Let's keep that one in the back pocket. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, transitioning, there's, there's like, that goes into, like, a little family of cartoons I want to talk about that was, like, later 90s. Yeah. the Like, the Columbia TriStar produced uh, cartoons. They all kind of had the same uh, animation style, uh, all based on movies. Like, there's one called the Extreme Ghostbusters. Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Yeah. Which was 
really good. That one has actually bled over into the IDW uh, comics. They actually brought characters from that over to the IDW comics. Yeah, I saw that. I was so happy to see that. Yeah. They diversified the team a lot more. Uh, Egon is, like, it takes place, like, after, of course, the Ghostbusters, and uh, Egon is the leader of the team, and of uh, this team, like, he send, he's, doesn't go on missions anymore himself, but he sends them out. And that had a lot of good, uh, scary stuff on it. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, also in that family was Godzilla the cartoon, which we've talked about. Yes. Also good. Men in Black. Yes. That one I've seen... Every single episode, I rewatched every single episode um, when the hub came out. Rest in peace, hub. And it holds up. Like, it expands really nicely on the lore. Again, that's what I'm talking about, about how, okay, Men in Black, you could go in infinite directions with it. And they did. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I like I, I liked the Men in Black cartoon. Um, they, had, they also had fun with the continuity ideas of it. Yeah. I, th- I do believe there was a storyline where Frank sold the rights to the Men in Black idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. Once they figured, they found out they did that, they uh, had to neuralize Hollywood and basically everybody. And uh, they made, I think the show, the episode ended with an offhand comment like, uh, well, it isn't the first time we've had to do it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've gone on record as saying I'm not the biggest Men in Black fan, really, of the three movies. The only one I really particularly like is, bizarrely enough, the third one. The third one, yeah. Which which I feel like the third one is the first time that I really felt like they were like, okay, now we're really going to use these ideas. Yes. Yeah, the, thir- the third one felt more like the TV show. But the book, but the, uh, I almost said the books, although I've actually read one of the tie-in. They did two tie-in novels that were not half bad. I I, I did like the uh, cartoon, though. I thought the cartoon was very good and and went in some interesting directions. Um, One more mention of that little family. Uh, Jumanji was also another. Yeah, and that one was not as good. That one was not as good. Uh, I liked. I mean, I don't know if it hold up, but I just I liked the fact that they every episode they actually went into the board game and had their adventures there, and that was nice. I thought it was. I just didn't remember. I don't know. That was a case where it was really yeah. kind of a one and done story, and I don't know. It was yeah. the The ones that I really you know talking about those. If we're going to talk about families, we have to acknowledge the Disney animated uh, series that they did. They've done a lot. They're still doing them. They still they're still doing them, and I just have to say, uh, some of those were some of the absolute strongest of the '90s. Really, uh, the Aladdin animated mm-hmm. series. <laughs> Still has a very devout fan base, actually. I remember some of it. Yeah, the Aladdin fan base really built up a, a, a strong mythology throughout the show. Uh, they had recurring villains that were really strong and interesting. They almost went in an interesting direction. One of the main villains was going to have been revealed as Aladdin's brother, and they decided at the last minute not to do that. 
but they kept a design that was so similar that fans figured it out anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I I like the I like the Aladdin uh, cartoon. Uh, I thought that one was really good. Uh, the Timon and Pumbaa one was pretty decent. Nathan Lane did the voice for about half of them. Nice. Um, and then they had an impersonator for the other half. But those were pretty good. Uh, those those I liked. I remember there's a Little Mermaid one. Which, all, all again, built up the mythology a little bit. Um, added characters we didn't have before. It's weird that um, all those had pretty decent runs because... The um the sequels have a notorious history of being bad, and those were done by the uh, the Toon Disney the uh, TV division. Yeah, I I don't know what happened there because um as yeah as I said I I think it's because the TV shows had more time, like they could do yeah. a clunker episode, they could do several, but then they could get but but they could really get back on track and do some interesting stuff. They weren't. And they were held to their own standards. I mean, again, most Saturday morning cartoons stunk. So, yeah. you know, you're being held to that standard, not the standard of the classic movies. But, um, again, these these were pretty good cartoons. And we don't have DVDs of uh, the Aladdin series or the Little Mermaid series. I think that's kind of a loss because I do think those were pretty good. And I, I definitely do think, are they as good as the sources that they came from? No, not really in Little Mermaid, but Aladdin. I'm not. I'm not so sure though about Aladdin. Um, as I said, I really do. I, I really do think they went in some interesting directions, and I, and I did like it. Um, it has to be noted. Obviously, they didn't get uh, Robin Williams for the genie. But yeah. But can we stop acting as if Dan Castellaneta wasn't in and of himself a great choice? I did not know that was him. That was him, and he did a great job. Yeah, he was doing a Williams impersonation. No denying. But he did a really good one, and he's a he's a comedic genius in his own right. Yeah. So no, I'm not going to I'm not going to call this one out too much. Yeah, it's not the first. That's not the last time Dan Castellaneta would be brought in for a celebrity voice replacement. He uh, uh, in Futurama, John Goodman, yeah, as uh, evil as robots, robot Santa, and uh, second time he appeared, it was Dan Castellaneta. You don't notice. I mean, you don't notice. Uh. Uh-uh. Because he, he's he's just that good. He's he's really a fine voice actor. Um, again, it should be noted most of the time when they were. This is a testament to why I love voice actors. Most of the time, you don't notice that it's not the celebrity voice. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be a call to Hollywood to stop doing all these celebrity voices. Um, seriously, as I think about it, the only time in recent years that I've been genuinely impressed with the celebrity voice. That wasn't a case where it was like, you know, Jack Black and Kung Fu Panda, where you've got someone who actually is capable of this no matter what. Uh, it would be um, the almost really and truly downright anonymous voice of Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the only time. Yeah. That's the only time that it's been like, okay, that was a win-win for that film because they got Bradley Cooper's name on the uh, poster, but they didn't get jammed into, you know. I don't know. I'm getting off track, but... I'm just saying Cooper was really good. He was just really good in that. Um, But I'm trying to think of more, you know, again, here's the thing. I don't watch very much TV, if that's not clear. But I just, I really do remember this trend. What you see a lot of times, by the way, I should note, is that a lot of these don't make it to air. Yeah. They do a lot of pilots for these that don't actually wind up happening. Uh, They did a Mr. and Mrs. Smith pilot. That didn't happen. 
Hmm. Yeah, they did. They did a pilot for that that didn't get picked up because, gee, it uh. turns out that maybe it's kind of hard to replace Brad Pitt and Angelina <laughs> Jolie at their absolute most movie star. That's kind of the only reason that movie works. It also has a pretty good script and direct. You know what? Actually, really, now that I think about it, that's a pretty good movie. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? That one's that case. You know, most of the time you're trying to recapture magic. They did a phenomenon. A pilot for uh, that one that was aired as a sequel, even though it was completely a contradiction of the original movie's plot. You did Weird. that. So you would see that a lot. I mean, again, there are too many for us to even ever try to name the current ones. Um, I will note that I know that Limitless is coming to TV in the fall. That's going to get oh, a, boy. Uh, Uncle Buck is getting a TV show in the fall. I saw that on the list. I don't know what to think. I don't think the first one is exactly uh, holding up as anything that gets brought up all that often, so I don't know why they're doing it. And Limitless as a movie just stinks. I really don't like Limitless. Um, so you are getting a few of these. Um, you, you, we do have a few of these still in the offing. It's not like this is thing that's ever going to end for Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, God. But really, I'm looking at the clock, and I really want to now turn our attention to two that I think are two of the best. And I, and I, and I want to kind of turn the trend, if that's okay, to... The two biggies that I wanted to hit on. So I wanted to ask real quick, are there any that you can think of that you want to list before we shift to the two biggies? Well, let's see. Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies, people forget, is in fact a... It's not just a spinoff of the concept... Uh, it's a spinoff of a scene in The Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's what it is. It's a spinoff of the scene. <laughs> I did not know that. Muppet Babies is awesome. That's funny. Yeah, it was very unique. And due to rights issues, can never be released on DVD. Why? All the clips. Oh, yeah, that's right. They had live action stuff. But it's all on YouTube, and I do recommend going back to it. It does hold up. Oh, sweet. Uh, I love Muppet Babies. One funny thing I do remember is the uh, the opening. There's a scene where they open a door and there's like a TIE fighter coming at mm. you. It's like, well, now they could use that. They could use that now. And <laughs> but and they did a lot of Star Wars references, so we might yet get Yeah. But, I mean, still, there's so much. Yeah, there is. Not that Disney couldn't afford it, <clears throat> but, you know. And it's not like they have a <laughs> Muppet project that they need to be hyping. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. There's uh, Stargate. Yeah, yeah. Roland Emmerich film or film that made it into three different TV series. That was a huge, huge hit. Mm -hmm. um, I've never been a fan of any form of Stargate, so that's why this one's getting ignored. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched any of it, but God, does it permeate into the culture? It, it, it was hugely successful. Yeah. Another one that I think uh, I don't think I even mentioned this to you pre-show, but uh, Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah. The cartoons, which, of course, have nothing really to do with the movie. It's just the idea. Yeah, it's the idea, and I think it's 
I think there is an animated sequence at the beginning of the film. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's, it's based on that, yeah. And they were glorious. I loved the Pink Panther so much as a kid. Which is a shame, because really when you get right down to it, an animated series about Inspector Clouseau would actually be awesome. It would, yes. It would translate well. Mm. Special mention, uh, there was a one-season Honey, I Shrunk the Kids live-action show. Yeah. It would not hold up. No, it's... It... I liked watching it, but damn did I know it was cheesy and bad. <laughs> mm. Budget was very low on that one. Um... Yes. Real quick, there is one that I do have to note, which is sometimes these animated series get ordered with no knowledge of just how badly the movie that's connected is going to flop, because that's why we have an evolution animated series. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of all that I'm going to say is that that exists. Oh, one other thing. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite also has a six-episode uh, Fox series. <laughs> And that one wasn't too long ago, actually. No, and I heard it wasn't half bad, either. It just came wildly too late. Yeah. Uh, the Pulling Dynamite was, what, 2006? 2004. 2004, oh man. Yeah, and it, the Napoleon Dynamite series came in like 2012, 2011? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. It had the entire movie cast. Yeah. I tried to I tried to look at who wasn't there, and I couldn't find anyone. Yeah, nobody, nobody didn't come back. Yeah. So... Let's move on to the big ones. Yeah, there are two that we really want to hit on. Um, let's start with Clerks Animated. Clerks is drawn before a live studio audience. Okay, there was a live-action Clerks pilot. Kevin Smith was not involved. Neither of us have... You've watched a few minutes of it. I won't watch a second of it. The The pilot is online in its entirety. I watched up until, I don't know, the five minute mark. It's terrible. Like, it's, we and it's really weird because the show has the exact same opening theme. And uh, it has the exact same, like, opening logo. Like, with the type font. And then it transitions to, like, this fully blown, loud 90s sitcom set. Uh, with loud 90s sitcom jokes that are just that don't land and it's awful it has no semblance at all no. to the movie the clerks animated series ran six episodes what a run could have run 10 times that frankly i'm actually looking at my copy of the uh clerks animated series right now i know i feel like this is one that most people who are listening to this have a shot at having seen i know at least one of our patrons has seen it because i watched it with him yeah I really, really, really love the Clark's animated series. Um, Kevin Smith was yeah. intimately involved in it. He wrote several episodes. He did the voice of Silent Bob. He did. And no, that's not actually a misnomer. He actually yeah. did. He actually did the voice a couple of times. Yeah. He. Um. They did. They did. Uh. Little PSAs at the end of them where he spoke. And basically, this show was a giant deconstruction of the entire trope of doing TV shows based on movies. Yes, doing cartoons based on movies. Adding a, a ridiculous cartoon villain played by Alec Baldwin. Yes. <laughs> well played, Clucks. Alec Baldwin plays a cartoonish, over-the-top, dangerous lunatic billionaire. So, yeah. 
Uh, that that that's something that happens on the show. So you've got Alec Baldwin doing voices. You've got they brought obviously everybody back from the movie. Yeah, everybody comes back. Everybody. Jason Mewes gets a lot to do, even though even though he's muzzled on the profanity, he yeah. still gets a lot to do. On the commentaries for the DVD, they uh, they talk about how they had to tone down Jay and Silent Bob. Like, instead of stoners, they're quote-unquote merry pranksters. Mm-hmm. But they still so totally feel like themselves. They do. Like, like they, they, they're they watered down in the sense that they're not uh, drug dealers. Right. They're watered down, but they're not really that watered down. They still feel like themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the cartoon is weird. I mean... <laughs> they go as weird as they can get with it. They have one episode that's a parody of Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Yes. With the with the joke that uh, it's uh, Patrick Swayze uh, works in a pet shop next door. And rather than getting Patrick Swayze to do the voice, they got Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Holy crap, isn't that Dirty Dancing's Patrick Swayze? Hey, Patrick. Great horse. Hey, Randall. I call the horse ghost like that movie I did. <laughs> They did. Someone who cannot do impersonations. <laughs> no. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it is such a weird show. There was a there's an episode based on the last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah. It is one of those shows. I ABC treated it like garbage. They buried it in the summer, they ran the episodes out of order, they dumped it. Um, if Comedy Central had gotten their hands on it, it could have been a long-running show. Yeah. This could have run for a long time. Uh, they had a great, uh, team of writers on it. A lot of really good writers were, worked on it. I think, uh, David Mandel, who's going over to do, uh, the, who's going over to run Veep after, uh, Armando Iannucci left, is going, is, was, uh, one of the writers, uh, Paul Dini worked on it. Yes, he did. So, Smith had some A-list talent working on it. Look. I'm not going to say that, that I think y'all should see this, because I think most of y'all have. But if you haven't really, if you haven't, even if you're not a Kevin Smith fan, I would even say check it out, because it's its own thing. It's its own weird, goofy, wonderfully animated thing. Yeah. Like, it's animated in a certain style. I think it's by the same studio that does stuff like Danny Phantom. Yeah. Like, just the, like the slightly blocky... Like yeah, I I don't I I don't know the studio off the top of my head. Yeah, I just this this is one of the greats for me. Mm-hmm. I love the hell out of it. Only six episodes. It should have been more. Yeah, and I think they only aired like four of them. Yeah, it, it should have been more. Um, it takes you two hours to watch the entire series. And yeah, and the uh the last episode of course is the I think the best one in the series. The one where they're they straight out. Say it. We've got to make the show more like the movie, quick. But why? The network thinks it's great, and the network would never let a bad show on the air, even if they owned it. Would they? Boys and girls of America, from this point on, I promise that Clerks the Cartoon is going to be more like Clerks the Movie. And of course, all the shenanigans happen outside the store. Yeah. And I think that's the one where they have, uh, they actually do have most of the voice actors from the movie come back. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, really good. I, I, I just... And the PSAs, my God, the PSAs are the best. De- they're the best deconstruction of how... Because s- they always had to have tacked on PSAs on shows in order to qualify them as educational programming. 
Yes. Even if the education, even if the PSAs were things as stupid as don't take a ride in a dryer. <laughs> yeah. This is where you need to insert the Sonic Says clip because <laughs> yeah. otherwise people aren't going to believe me. Sonic, help! I'm getting dizzy! Now does that look like fun to you? If so, your brains are scrambled. Believe it or not, every year some ignorant kid takes a ride in a clothes dryer just like this one and ends up getting hurt. It gets pretty hot in there. And those dryer fins can break your bones when they get going. If you think it's smart to climb in a dryer, you're really all wet. The the, the Clark's ones are, of course, completely nonsensical, make no, uh, completely illogical, and downright dangerous. So, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I Even thinking about all this, it's just like, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but let, 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 let's kind of jump up a little bit to the modern day. Yeah. Because there's one that I really do want to talk about right now. And that is, increasingly the trend is, if they do the live action series, or just any series really, that they do try to, start to tie it to the movie. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of the Marvel shows are tied directly to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Daredevil takes place in the same universe as the Avengers. Daredevil could show up in the movies. Yeah. And given the popularity of the show, might very well show up. I hope so. That'd be cool. Even even if it's just a cameo or a mention or something. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil exists in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and has featured cameos by characters, and also controversially features a uh, major character who was in the MCU. Yeah. A, char- a character who Joss Whedon has said explicitly is not canonically alive in his ver- in his mind. Right. So, yeah, so there's that. Uh, I haven't seen any of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've seen the pilot and a few of the, and a few episodes after that. It's alright. I've heard it got good. I've heard it got good. Yeah. But, you know, but that's the increasing trend, is that if you do it, it does matter. It is an offshoot. Um, the How to Train Your Dragon animated series, they are explicitly connected with the voice actors on board, and they are intended as canonical. Because the movie, uh, the second movie jumped forward so many years, it was yeah. intended as a canonical, okay, this is where the characters are now. Yeah, unfortunately, I've seen some of the show stuff, and it's not near as good no i've heard um yeah you know but those do exist and um basically because of the way that we're changing the way that we watch media there was talk for years of doing stephen king's dark tower books as do one of the books then do a tv show that would cover maybe one of the books Mm -hmm. you know and then on off like that like do them that way um Hmm. this isn't you know, sort of a pre. If it had happened, it would have been similar to what wound up happening with Game of Thrones. Ultimately, just in terms of just doing it on TV, right? And really, that's where the Dark Tower belongs is TV. Yeah. But you, so you have that idea. The idea, but it would have been a, a, a TV series bridging the movie. Hmm. Um, it didn't happen. Uh, Universal killed the uh, idea, and uh, the the movie remains kind of in perpetual limbo. Eh, that's too bad. It is too bad. Um. But you have these options. You have these abilities. And that brings us to a, the prime example of what they're doing now. And that is, um, let's talk about Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp.
had never seen the movie until I watched it in preparation for the show. Same, really. Yeah. What's what sold me on, you know, I, it's one of those things I'd heard of the movie, but I wasn't really that interested. Uh, what sold me was the idea that these people are way too old to be playing teenagers. They're way too old in 2001 to be playing teenagers. Yes. And then in, in the TV show, which runs eight episodes, everybody's back. They play the same characters only at the beginning of the summer. So it's supposed to be eight weeks earlier that we're going to right. accept that these are the same people. So they're just outright, they're just outright playing with you in terms of uh, continuity. Yes. And yes, the show, the show makes direct comments on that. Um, oh yeah. Like it even underlines the age thing. At one point, uh, Amy Poehler points out that she's playing a 16 year old and you're like, <laughs> Uh huh. In what universe? <laughs> yeah, in what universe? Um, in this one, apparently. Yeah, and then like, let's see. Um, there's uh there's the revelation that one character turns out to be a twenty uh, four year old reporter, who's mm-hmm. played by a forty one year old woman. Right. Who in turn infiltrates the camp to play a sixteen year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> although I feel like that joke didn't land as hard as they wanted it to, because yeah. While there's no universe in which Elizabeth Banks is believable as a 16-year-old, mm-hmm. she could probably easily play a decade younger than her current age. And yeah, and I I, I wouldn't blink. Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows she did not look uh, she didn't look um, out of place in the outfits they put her in, not even remotely. Mm-hmm. And of course, and of course, it really doesn't matter because fundamentally she's funny as hell. Um, the movie is the movie is is great I, I i do recommend the movie it is just a giant deconstruction of every trope of the teen comedy of movies like porkies of movies of this ilk it's a giant yeah. deconstruction of the entire trope and the tv show does the same thing what's also funny about the tv show is uh you know if you've seen the movie there's one decisive point in what the second like Almost, uh, yeah, the third act, where everything just ratchets up to ridiculous. Mm. You know, it's one of those things, you really have to watch the movie before the show. Mm -hmm. Because tonally, the show is ratcheted up to the third act of the movie in ridiculousness. Yeah, okay, the rule that comedy sequels don't work, this is one of the few that actually really disproves that they can. Yeah. I think they can as long as you don't repeat yourself. Um, Yeah, yeah. Which they don't here. No. It is extremely goofy. I mean, they take it up so high. I think you appreciate the jokes better knowing where they're going. Yes, you do. Especially when you have one character who acts completely different. And so you're just basically watching the show waiting for the moment where (laughs) their situation becomes like the movie. And yes, it does come. Oh, yes. I almost don't feel like listing the entire cast of the TV show and movie. The best yeah. here's the best thing to do: go in knowing that it's got a really great cast, mm-hmm. and then go in knowing that all of them come back. Yeah, one of them only could come back for a single day of shooting, which kind of becomes obvious if you look at it. It doesn't it doesn't show though because he does he does give all, so he's he's still really good in it. Um, both are on Netflix. The TV show is a Netflix original, and God, I loved it, and and I. If this is what we're getting, more integration, because the TV show is from the same people that wrote the movie, 
It's from the same writers, same director. It's from the same people who do uh, the state. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a huge state influence on this. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend it. I think if you get the chance to see it, it's well worth your time. It's funny. Everybody involved is great in it. And if this is what the future is of, because my understanding is that basically they wrote a script to a prequel and realized they had too many ideas. Yeah. And rather than, like it was a 400 page script, and rather than trying to do that, they just said, you know what, let's just do a TV show. Yeah. If this is what the future is of movies on TV, this is what it should be. This is what everybody should be shooting for. Also notice that it's just eight episodes. Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it limited. Do it at just the right length. Don't stretch yourself too far, yeah. Because they still have the exact same cast I believe they would have done if they'd done a movie. I mean, I'm not even getting into all the guest stars. Mm -hmm. There are some really amazing people in the TV show. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. There are even some outright legends. One of whom at the end gets referenced by name. I'm not saying who. But they even break they even break the facade and refer to them by their by the actor's name, not the character. <laughs> yeah. That, that cracked me up. I just really, I, I just really enjoyed this. I just really enjoyed this. Um, if this is what it's going to become, I think this is what it should become. I, I limited runs. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to how the TV show revivals are. Everybody coming back for just a brief amount of time, mm -hmm. and and maybe that's kind of where this should be. Is everybody comes back for just a little bit, and we just get a little bit more. But um, it works because not everything needs to become case of the week mm -hmm. ironically one of the revivals does need to be a case of the week but that's neither here nor there yeah but you know it's like okay gotham uh agents of shield all following that kind of csi trope i'm not so high on that yeah but i don't know i mean i think i i think things are better uh, i don't think animated series are allowed to be as ill-advised as they are i don't think we'll ever be in a situation where we'll get a rambo animated series again <laughs> no Thank God. I needed, I just had to get that pointed out. There was a Rambo animated series. Mm -hmm. No, I did not watch it. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of really my thoughts on this for the moment. One good thing to end on is, you know, some of the current running. I think Hannibal was canceled recently, which sucks. My understanding is it was perfect for the entire run, though. So. Yes. Yes. For like the two or three seat. I think it was three seasons. Three seasons. It ran for three seasons. And my understanding is it was perfect for all three so yeah and it had a huge fan base and was great and it's hard to top you know anthony hopkins as hamill lecter but they had a bond villain play him so that's perfect yeah and what else uh i don't know much about the uh psycho i'm hearing it's pretty decent i'm hearing it's decent yeah the bates motel the the kid that's playing norman looks just identical to uh, Anthony Perkins. Damn. He looks like a young Anthony Perkins. And Vera Farmiga plays uh, Mother. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't really... I can't really... I haven't seen it. I've heard it's okay. I, yeah, I've heard some pretty strong things about it. Uh, the Scream TV series, which had no relationship to the movies, just ended. Uh, it's first yeah. season. I'm not even addressing that. And uh, Yeah, I've, I've forgotten that existed, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are there are stuff like... There is stuff like that, yeah. One that I have seen that I want to mention, that it's getting its second season in October, uh, Fargo. Yeah. The FX series. Yeah. Oh, God. It's set in the movie's continuity. It is. It's very much set in the movie continuity. And, uh, like, it has none of the characters. The brilliant thing, I think, about it is... It's set in 1996, 
which is, if you remember, the, the movie actually was 1996, wasn't it? Yes. And the movie was set in 1988. So it's a, so it's about as far removed from that time period as it, you know, the TV show is. It's hard to put into words. Yeah, I, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, the time gap is exactly the same now as the movie was then. Uh, it's it's a little bit bigger actually. I'd say it's quite a bit yeah, actually. Yeah, true. About almost ten years, almost ten years bigger. But but all the same, there is still a time gap. Now the uh, next season is going to be set in the seventies. Yeah, in the seventies, and it's the the season is based on. It has one of the same characters. But, of course, not the same actor, but it's based on a story that um, one of the characters tells in an episode of the show, and they're going to expand on that. And that's great, because it's a very interesting scene and a very interesting story, so I can't wait to see what they do with it. Yeah, that one's earned tremendous praise. That, there's an interesting story on that, in that originally the Coen brothers weren't going to be involved at all, and mm -hmm. were actually so impressed by what they saw coming out on the pilot that mm -hmm. they just that they changed their minds and said, "Yeah, we will endorse this. We will we will exec we will put our names on it as executive producers. We like what you're doing." They came up with the big twist in the middle of the season too, like the big offset. I won't say what it is because yeah. it's great, and I haven't seen the show, and I do want to see it. Um, one thing I have yeah. to note real quick while we're talking about Fargo though is there was a pilot done. For a direct adaptation of the movie. Oh my god. That did not go forward at CBS. Uh, interestingly enough, talking, talking about you know the idea of one-to-one -one casting, uh, Edie Falco from The Sopranos would have replaced Francis McDormand. <laughs> nice. That sounds about one-to-one -one for me. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That doesn't. I can see that. Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like a step down. So. And the show also has numerous references to other uh, Coen Brothers properties, which is fantastic. Like just background. Oh, gags. That's a brilliant idea. That's a brilliant idea. Um, and talk about a cast. Oh, my God. Yeah, that one. It's ridiculous. Billy Bob Thornton. Um, Martin Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Colin Hanks, for God's sake. Finally getting something good to do. Yeah. He was good on The Good Guys. Yeah. But that only ran for a season. The way that I see it, I think that with TV changing, we are going to see a change in TV adaptations of movies. I think that mm -hmm. is an inevitability. And I think it's going to get more interesting. I think we're going to start to see, as the two worlds merge, I think we're going to have a chance at seeing something interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that overall. Yeah. Now we've got one heck of a wrap-up to get to. Let's begin by thanking our patrons. Yes, thank you guys so much. Yeah, we still we still have enough to where you can mention them all by name. Mm -hmm. We always will, though. We always will, that's our promise. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Bridget. And thank you, Sean from No Totally. We are always happy uh, with the response. And guys, we're going to keep building. We're going to keep doing more. Oh, yeah. You can find us on our blog, uh, where the source of the cast, at thefilmroom.popbean.com. You can find us on our side blog where we have the nostalgia column and lots of other fun little goodies at thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. We're starting to hit on some zeros here, y'all. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we had we had a zero. Like I did my very first zero. It's gonna take a lot for me to put a zero, frankly, but uh, there will be a few coming up. Yeah, I think the clarification on that was like the reason for it was because I had not I did not remember whether I had seen the movie or not and that's not good that's what we're looking for that's a definitive zero so yeah 
if it's so unmemorable. So we got that coming up. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook. Like us there. Like your page. We have a pretty good following on Facebook. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, over 400 likes. It's really nice. It's facebook.com slash the film room. You can find us on our Twitter. It's at film room cast. Uh, I am at permanent man PRD. Uh, Austin is at untitled user. You can email us with suggestions, with questions, with anything at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. And of course, the big one, uh, you can support us on Patreon. Our next goal, like we have blasted past three of our goals which is amazing we're going to have to come up with some stretch goals pretty soon but Mm. the next one is 30 and that's uh having our own domain name and just a place to house all the all our projects under one roof yeah that's coming on fast y'all that's one we want that includes the lobby that includes we'll still host it on podbean but the cast will be published there you can listen to it on there so yeah, patreon.com slash the film room. Yep. As far as anything anything helps. Anything helps. And that also gives you exclusive access to our uh we have a couple of them coming up. We have the our rant on critics, which is a full episode, and we have a Meso and Bojack that's coming. Yeah. So now those will be Patreon exclusives. Yep. So be listening and uh thanks for the support and we will Thank you so much. We'll talk to y'all later. See y'all later, bye. Next week on Clerks. Let's turn in so we can start hiking early. Shouldn't we clean up? Nah, let's just leave it for the morning. Hold it, kids. Oh, my God. It's Jay and Silent Bob. Hi, I'm Jay. And I'm Silent Bob. And I'm Charles Barkley. What the hell are you doing here? Kids... If Silent Bob could talk, he'd remind you that when you're camping, it's always smart to tie your food up in the trees at night so as not to attract bears. Word. Wow. Let's do it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Silent Bob. Sure. No problem. So the next time you're camping? Bear this tip in mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah.